Uh, hello, hockey fans. Welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner with Chris Lisa out on Long Island. We got a good show for everybody today. We got Chris Wassel coming in to talk about some New Jersey Devils. We're going to go back and look at the week that was for the Vegas Golden Knights. Going to go around the league, and in the OT segment, we're going to pop into a little pop culture, if you'll excuse the double entendre there. And uh, we got a little a little surprise for you in the OT about that. So stay tuned. We got a good show. All right, well, let's get right to it this Saturday morning. I'm Mark Warner. Let me bring in Chris Lisa out on, <coughs> excuse me, out on Long Island. Chris, good day to you, sir. I want to ask what the temperature out there is this morning. It's a little chilly. It's a little windy. The sun's out, but we're in the like low to mid forties, so we're we're making the turn, I think, weather wise. So, yeah, uh, I got up. Uh, I wanted to know. I got up and it was forty two degrees with a ten mile an hour wind out here. So I wanted to know if we were on par with a New York autumn and it yeah. looks like we are. Yeah, you you certainly are, that's for sure. And uh well, I guess the story of the one of the headline stories for the Vegas Golden Knights so far this early season is one guy comes back and then another guy gets hurt, you know, so Max Pacioretty comes back on Tuesday and of course there was that brutal looking play with Eric Halla. I try to see what the latest is and of course this is under you know, beyond lock and key. All we yeah, all yeah. we uh all we know is he's, you know, not gonna play tonight or tomorrow. I mean, one would think that if it was uh he was gonna be out for a very long time that would have been announced. Kind of wouldn't make sense otherwise, but that's just an assumption on my part. Hopefully, the Knights dodge the bullet and he'll be back sooner than later. And because uh, when it first happened, I got to be honest with you, when I saw it, I was like, "Oh God, he's he's going to be he tore up his knee, or he's going to be gone for the year." Yeah, well, if you remember uh, when Stastny went down, they were on the road, and. Yep. They said he was going to wait till he gets home to reevaluate him, and it could be a week or so, and then Stastny got home, got reevaluated, and it was two months. So right. I'm not I'm not ready to jump in the, the rosy, the better roses with you on the, the, hopefully it's not, well, hopefully it is not too bad, but we saw, we know that the Golden Knights aren't going to uh, lay their cards on the table for everyone to see as far as injuries goes. That's just not how they do it, or really anyone that's hockey that does it. But I'm not, uh, I don't think that we're just looking at three games off, get home, get some treatment, and be back on the ice in a week or two. Um, if a hockey player goes off on a stretcher, that's yeah. not a good sign. I mean, if if, if you get a, a, a soccer player goes off on a stretcher, he might be back in three to five minutes. Uh, but if right. a hockey even with a leg injury, we've all seen that a couple teammates take him under the arms and, and he'll skate over on one leg and, and, and get down the tunnel with a little help. But to do the stretcher thing, um, and he's injured that, that knee, knee in the past. Um, so I, I, I'm not, 
I'm not convinced we're looking at, at a short-term thing. I think, I think uh, the way that looked and the way his skate was twisted up on the boards, and, and let's be clear, it was a clean hit. There wasn't any intent. There wasn't anything like that. It's just an awkward, awkward position where he was kind of quartered up to the boards, if you will, and his right skate was, was facing the wrong way, and when he got hit, it got stuck facing the wrong way, and he went over with all his weight the other way, so... Um, hopefully Eric Holla comes back. He, uh, we almost got to see the Holla Tuck Pacioretty line that we've all been looking for since preseason. Um, right. uh, so now, now, uh, the, the center depth is to be tested. We had, we had, uh, Eakin move up to the second line and then, Lindbergh centered the third line in the last game. I'm not sure what the line pairings were today in the morning skate yet, but um, yeah, not a, not a pretty picture, not a pretty picture and, and Godspeed and, and we hope all it will be okay at some point this season. Yeah. And hopefully, and again, with Pat ready too, you know, again, new team, new teammates, uh, there's going to be, you know, I don't want to say learning curve, but you know, a uh, time, it's going to take a little bit of an investment of time, and hopefully he's got his injuries in the in the rearview mirror, and he can, can kind of start building. And because you know clearly what's really jumped out about this team, we talked about it last week. Although it was good to see on Thursday night versus Ottawa, which they you know uh, got Ottawa at the right time, I guess you know beat them twice uh, in the last seven days. Uh, right. Is is uh, secondary scoring, and uh, you know they got it the other night, but it's been really killing this team. We talked about it a bit at length last last week. Obviously, these injuries do not help. Uh, but, you know, given how tough this road trip is, I mean, okay, yeah, they lost in Toronto. Not an easy game. Come back, win in Ottawa. They're, you know, got the back-to-back situation tonight. They're, they're in Montreal, who beat up themselves. And then tomorrow they're in Boston. So, um, actually, you should see if Boston's playing... They have a back-to-back situation. So, again, if they can get a split, I know a split doesn't sound sexy. They would still be under 500. they They're currently 7-8-1. So a split would mean, you know, 8-9-1. But given the given where they're at with their roster and injuries and the scheduling, I think you'd have to sign up for that. And hopefully, you yeah. know, once they get through this tough part of the schedule that we've talked about, and they get all the bodies back, if they could be on, you know, a 500 record, if you will, and again, the division, the way it's playing, is, um, uh, you know, lending uh, lending to that. Oh, the Bruins, by the way, have a back-to-back, too. So that's Yes, and, and news there. this morning, Chris, I don't know if you've seen it yet, yeah. Tucker Rask has been given a leave of absence by the Bruins. He had something personal to yeah, take I care of. That. So the, the yeah. Knights will be the second game of the back-to-back, and... Uh, presumably we'll be we'll be facing uh either an emergency call up goalie uh depending on how they do their uh, I, I'm pretty sure their backup will go tonight against Toronto and then whoever else comes up so that might be a break there for the for the Golden Knights and and you don't want to capitalize on another's misfortune and whatever it is uh Mr. Rask is dealing with uh we hope everything works out for him obviously but just just scheduling wise, it, it, the Knights could catch a break with that. And look, it's a big game tonight. And I don't know if I've talked about my twenty point theory on the show yet, Chris. Um, okay. But I've I've, no, I've been 
I've been saying this uh, around work since Nate Schmidt was uh, suspended, and and I told the guys if if the Golden Knights and this is without obviously I don't have a crystal ball, so I can't couldn't know what injuries they're going to have to go through and whatever. But I thought if they could get 20 points in 20 games without Nate Schmidt, then that would be a target to get to. And that that would leave you 62 games and you would have to average just a tick over 1.3 points per game the rest of the way to get to a hundred points. Um, and that's certainly doable at, once you get into the, the, you know, later December, January, February, March, when all these road games they're playing now turn into home games, excuse me, on the other side of the, the calendar. And presumably, uh, you know, hopefully they get healthy and Stassny's back and you could have a, a, a solid set lineup, which they haven't been able to do so far. Um, and the, you know, if they win tonight, that's 17 points in 17 games. So I, I think tonight is, is an, you know, we talk about this every week, it seems like, but it, it's not a must win, but my, my 20 point theory, um, we know if this team's healthy, they can go on a run and they get some of these, these home games here coming late December and January. Um, they should be able to reel off five, six wins in a row, uh, at a clip. And so if you're just looking at, in 62 games, getting 52% of the points or whatever it comes down to, that's a that's uh, that's a very doable uh, clip if they can get to that 20-point margin. Uh, I'm looking at the schedule right now. Yeah, and I think the other important thing is no one in the division other than Vancouver is probably really happy with their play and with their record. So even though no, that, sure. uh, it's and, ha- right. Because the so Sharks and Ducks a, both got smoked last night, and and obviously that helps if the Knights can get that win and get up to 17 points tonight. They they will you know have moved from you know it's early saying back in the pack, but um, let's face it, the, the being sec being seventh place in an eight team division isn't where you want to be. But if you can get up to 17 points after, you know, San Jose and Anaheim get smoked last night, I think Anaheim's starting to come back to earth now. Um, you'll, yeah. you'll hopscotch Arizona. You'll tie Edmonton and Anaheim pending Edmonton's game. And you'll only be two points back of that three spot. And uh, Calgary and L.A. play tonight. L.A.'s been good uh, two out of three since the, the coaching change. And – Maybe you know if LA can take Calgary down, keep them at 19, then the Knights are right back in the thick of it. Uh, pending what happens in Boston, you could have three out. You know, if they win tonight, then they can get three out of four on the road trip. They'll be 19 points in 19 games. And you know, my my 20 point theory is, is still in effect, sir. Yeah, no, I, I like I said, I mean, I think they they are a bit fortunate. I mean, if you look at the the central for instance, and how well the teams are doing there. Uh, so, you know, some of the teams are doing there, uh, as an example, and they're all from running and giving more, more credence to the theory that, you know, both wild cards have come out of the central, but we'll save that for another day. But yeah, I think it's, I, I think all the teams quite honestly are, are, are a bit fortunate because they really haven't, you know, there's been a lot of ups and downs and, and, uh, you know, everyone's like within shouting distance, even the Kings are off this, We'll get to them in the next segment, but both of this horrific start aren't totally buried. So saving grace uh, for where they're at right now, the Knights, and uh, we'll see. Boston's a tough team, though. So I mean, as long as oh, yeah. somebody no confident, 
you know, Halak's their backup, so that's kind of, you know, a pretty good backup to have. And he's played the other night with standing. He's played pretty well. For, he's played very well for them. So, uh, I mean, again, I guess it depends on how the game in, Tor- uh, in Toronto goes tonight. Uh, is it? Are they in Toronto tonight? Or yeah, uh, I think they're, they're at home. Uh, or they host they're Toronto. Yeah, yeah. So, so how that game goes could dictate. Uh, uh, depending upon if it's a killer game on him or or whatnot, you know, do they go back to back with him? And, and depending right. about how long Rask is out, they, you know, he's no, he's not an old goalie, but he's, you know, he's not 22 years of age, so they might want to be a little bit prudent with his starts in terms of these back to backs. And he, I think he played the other night as well. So, uh, like I said, we'll see. I mean, Montreal's been a surprise team. They've been playing well, but the injuries are starting to rack up there as well. So. Uh, you know, again, I would sign off for two out of four, but, uh, you know, hey, if they can get more than that, that's terrific. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you get four points out of this road trip, you're <clears throat> 20 points in 20 games, four points out of four games, you're at a point of game clip. And and with everything that's gone on early in the season for the Golden Knights, um, you finish up Boston, and then you know two days later you've got Anaheim, which should be winnable at home, and St. Louis, which uh, you know they should have a little payback mm-hmm. on their mind. That that could right. be a winnable game at home. And now you got 21 points in 20 games, and Nate Schmidt's back, and you can settle the defense down. Derek England, who had to uh, turn to Las Vegas, there was an issue with his kid. Um, happy to report now that that everything turned out okay with that. He did not play in Ottawa, but look for him to be back in the lineup today against Montreal. It's a little another piece of news for the for the Golden Knights. Is, is I think England will be in tonight, and and again we're we're talking about pe- people's personal lives and and just we we're glad everything turned out okay with that. All of that stuff, obviously way more important than anything that's happening on the ice right now with, with Rask and, and with England and his family. So um, good, good, good news for Derek England and his family can, we're glad that worked out good. And we hope uh, Dr. Rask can have some good news with whatever it is that he's going through right now as well. Um, so tonight, tonight, big game, big game. If they can get the auto game and then get the Montreal game. There's your four points. Um, one more thing I wanted to touch on on the Golden Knights before we move on in the the Ottawa game, and and let's just the the fourth line isn't the fourth line on this team right now. Um, their play carried that game. William Carrier, stick tap especially. It, it seemed like uh, you know they got out to a three nothing lead and then blew the lead, and I, I just looked to me like William Carrier. Carrier decided, you know what, we will not lose this game, and I will do everything that I can to keep that from happening. Um, kudos to Coach. Put, kept putting that um, line back on the ice. They 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 averaged three or four minutes more than the the Eakin Hika line, and Tuck was being moved moved around a little bit, trying to generate a little bit, but. Um, that the, the they're not the fourth line at this point in time. Um, you could argue they're as good as this line as this team has as far as driving play, and their minutes are starting to reflect that. I, I remember back at the trade deadline last year, um, I, I remember someone on this show saying that they really didn't like the Tatar trade because you, you already had your skill and stuff up front, and that was a whole lot to pay for it. 
but I really liked, or that not that one guy said that he really liked the Ryan Reeves trade because you're getting an element that the team didn't have at the time, which was a physical presence that can also play the game. He's not just a goon or a knucklehead. Um, and to give up just a six round pick and eat a little salary in that deal to bring in a, just, just a, a element that the Knights did not have. And, a lot of people here in town didn't like that trade. Um, I don't see any of oh, you guys you, tweet. Thank you, thank you for the compliment. Yes, sir. <laughs> but I, I don't see too many more tweets about how Ryan Reeves doesn't fit in with this club and how that was a bad trade. And oh, by the way, Tatar's gone. Uh, and just to, just patting patting somebody on the back here. Um, that that fourth line is, is with with Belmar and and Carrier, man, they 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 stepped up big and and grabbed the team by the, by the scruff and and well, pulled them to a victory after they gave up that lead in Ottawa. So um, fourth line no more. When- Hashtag Grim Reaver, um, second leading goal scorer on the team, and and not only that, there was a play in Ottawa last week uh, in in T-Mobile where Borowiecki. I'm going to butcher Borowiecki's name, but uh, came through with a shoulder upside Eakins' head um, the same game he was back from being on suspended. And uh, the Grim Reaver uh, gave him his cup up. It's there in the game in Ottawa as well. Uh, put a couple fists to the head uh, to, to pay yeah, that back I mean. as well. So that's you take your number, you get up three nothing, you get the opportunity, you let them know you're not to mess with our teammates here in Las Vegas, and uh, by the way, you're the second leading goal scorer on the team at the same time. So fourth line, no more, sir. Yeah, when you have a when any team is you know dealing with adversity in terms of injuries and stuff, you need other people to step up. So you need you know sometimes your third line to play like your second line, your fourth line to play like your third line everyone to step up. So that's what they did. And they came at a very timely moment in a, in a big game for the team. So um, let's jump around the league. Obviously uh, three big points to get to here before Chris Wassel joins the show in a few minutes. Um, well, last year we didn't have any coaching changes and this year is much different. Joe Quindell yeah. is out in Chicago, brought in by Jeremy Cole. Co- Coalition, and uh, I was like, gee, that name looks familiar. I go, where do I know that name from? And he was a former second-round pick from the New York Islanders who never really made it as a hockey player. Uh, He was a prospect who never made it. That's where I knew him from. I think he's 33 years of age. Kings, we've been talking about it the last couple of weeks. Well, apparently John Stevens was on the hot seat because, you know, uh, even after a win, uh, Willie Desjardin has taken over there. Uh, so why don't we start with Quinville first? I mean, my point, here's my thing on Quinville. I get that the, the Hawks were in a bad stretch. So I think they were 0-4-1 for making this change. And I get, I was actually talking to a friend of the show, Dan Harrington, recently, and we were talking about Chicago, and he's from Chicago. He's got family in Chicago, big hockey fan. And even though they, they were off to a good start record-wise, they really weren't playing that that great. So it was a little bit of uh, smoke and mirrors with their with their record and kind of caught up with them with this recent stretch. Having said all that, to me, if you're 6-6-1 six, six, or whatever the heck they were when they made this change, you know, you want to know something? 
and, it's, and an old four and one record was going to be the the straw that broke the camel's back. They should have made this change back in the off season. I mean, their season ended early. Uh, right. To me, once you decide, once you decided in April, you know what? We're going to, you know, uh, Quinn has got time. two Whatever. more years on his contract. He's a gigantic coach. People would most of the, almost he's almost better than every coach in the league. Um, yeah. You know, we're going to stick with him for another year, and then we'll see where we're at. You know, we'll see what yeah next year brings, and we'll see where we're at. And um, uh, so to me, this was just I, I don't know. It just seems I get it. They're they're really struggling right now. Uh, they I, I to be honest with you. I, I don't see how this roster in that division is going to be competitive. I really don't. Uh, it just they're just so the blue line is a shell of, it, of itself. I mean, the blue line is just not that strong. They don't have enough depth. Uh, they have some, you know, really uh, good-looking players. Obviously, they have Kane. They have Taze. You know, to bring Cat looks like a like a real is going to be a heck of a player. Obviously, uh, goes without saying, but. Yeah, I was so uh, – to me, this is a move that should have been made in the off season because it, it, to me it was like, okay, we're going to go with Quinn, Quinville. We're going to keep it with Quinville, but they really – they weren't committed to it. If you're letting them go with his background, I just really weren't committed to it. And it was interesting to say, and not to get too much in depth with this, but, you know, maybe we'll, next week when we have Lyle Richardson of Spectres Hockey on, we can talk about this. Uh, I saw a rumor this morning maybe he could be the first – coach for the Seattle franchise. But anyway, um, I don't think he'll be out there. Well, he, you know, he's getting paid for the rest of this year next. And, um, so it's something to think about, uh, depending upon, you know, he, obviously he's going to pick a, it depends on the situation, right. Who, Who becomes what jobs become available. But, um, anyway, uh, that's kind of my thought on Quinville. I don't know if you have anything to add there or if you want to just jump into uh, Stevens with the King. Um, look, the guy's the guy won you three Stanley Cups. He's one of the greatest coaches of all time, in my opinion. He's whatever he is on the career wins list, second or third, right? He's he's right there. Um I, I echo your sentiments. Uh if you were going to make a change and for whatever reason it you know, whatever. Sometimes the room just gets old, and it's time for a new voice, and whatever. He didn't forget how to coach hockey. Let's just say that. Yeah. And I will, uh, I'll echo you in the fact that it just you get in a little four-game slump, and and then uh, oh, okay, bye. It, it just seems weird that if if that was like you said, I, I you said it perfect, Chris. If that's the straw that's going to break the camel's back, is you go, um a four game slump to start the season off. And that's going to be what, what triggers the change or whatever, then just make the call in the off season, get a fresh face in there, let them go through camp, let them learn the new system, yep. whatever the, whatever the case may be, let him build chemistry and get to know his players. Um, you kind of handicap the guy that you bring in, in that respect. Um, and 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 again, like you said, I'll I'll go back to the the Panarin trade where you, you had a dynamic duo there with Panarin and Sharp. They're they're flying up and down the ice. Really good chemistry between the guys. And then you trade him 
I think Brandon Sod was the piece that, and and some other pieces that came back the other way. Um, they've, they've made a lot of. They haven't made a lot of good moves. The Hawks and and, then, the and of course the Hosa uh, injury, yeah. not an injury, injury, but what it, what it, you know, whatever that is with with Marion Hosa doesn't help. And you know when you when you're winning the cup and you're up against the cap, you can't. It's very hard to build depth if you don't draft very well. And then if you do yep. draft well, trade it get away for a player who, you know, Brandon Saad's a nice piece. He's a good depth player, but he's he's not as dynamic and young and offensively skilled and, and fast as, as the bread man, obviously. Um, I, I said it here at the time, I didn't like that trade. And, and it, they'd probably be a much better team You're if right. they had him still on the roster. So, um, the, I mean, and now Columbus doesn't look like they're going to be able to keep him. Um so, yeah, so you summed it up on, pretty well. What are well, your thoughts on the Kings Kings moving? Were you surprised they went with a Desjardins versus a younger coach, or maybe there was someone else you had your eye on? Or no, um, they they've announced that he's the interim for this year, okay. which I don't know what that means. <clears throat> if excuse means you me. better win. <laughs> I mean, is he is he here for the year? Does he have a chance to, uh, you know, if if somehow the Kings go on a run and get at least back up into respectability? Because let's face it, they haven't been. Um, does he have a chance to get a two or three year deal out of Rob Blake? We don't know. Uh, they've already come out and said that they won't be talking to. Quinville, or maybe they did reach out to him and there wasn't any mutual interest of, you know, common ground to even start with. Um, so they've won two out of three under, under Mr. Dujardin. Um, you know, if you're the head coach of Hockey Canada, you got to be doing something right. I mean, you, those, that position doesn't fall fall out of a tree and land in your lap and then all of a sudden you're just this head coach of, of Hockey Canada. It's, internationally, it's got to be the most prestigious job that there is. So there's there's pedigree there. But, you know, the the trend in, in all of sports really is going, heading towards the younger, you know, guru kind of offense in football, the offensive coordinator who's, who's tearing the league up. You, you don't have to wait. I mean, look at the Rams with McVay, um, 30 years old and he's a head coach and, and we've had college coaches come up here recently and, and do a good job with their clubs. So I don't know if this is something of a tryout basis where you're, you're, you're seeing what he can bring to your club or if they have their eye on somebody who they think is going to be available at the end of whatever season they're in college juniors or elsewhere in the, in the national hockey league. Um, so I get, I, I get, I'm going to, I'm going to wait and see with it. Um, bounced around juniors for a while. He does have playing experience as well. So, I mean, we'll see. Steven seemed to be between a rock and a hard place. And I said, I said this last week, where you, you spend a decade building up this power forward type team where your your goalie, your depth down the middle and and your defense is your the identity of your team I'll say. And it seemed like Stevens was I don't know if being pressured or trying to adapt 
to the, the just the skill speed segment of where the NHL is going. Um, he, and I said last week, just be who you are. If, if you're going to, you know, struggle through the season and obviously changes need to be made personnel wise, if you want to change that style of play, then just, just be who you are until you can make those changes, play your style. And, and it, it, whatever they were trying to do was not working. So, yeah, bring in a coach, maybe yeah. a little more offensive minded than Stevens and and see how it goes. I mean that's I'm in the wait and see, see how it goes mode. I think the key to me with the Kings between now and Christmas, not an easy schedule. They're you know, they're they got game, they have points to make up is between now and Christmas and where they if they can get this turned around in terms of being a team that is we're talking about being in contention for a playoff spot, or if if this is the season where the wheels come off and you know Rob Blake might take a step back and and say, look, you know I have Drew Doughty signed for the next number of years, I have Andre Kopitar signed for the next number of years, and I have Jonathan Quick signed for the next number of years, and that's going to be the beginning of my core. And you know everyone else, I'm going to listen intently on in January, February. Not that he's going to trade all of them, but um, there could be there could be some moves to be made there with this if the season at that point is a lost season and looking to get like you said get a little bit younger a little bit deeper and uh, you know there would be a lot of different players on that team uh, people would be interested in um, so something to keep them an eye on this is I know uh, uh, Blake came out and said with this change. The time is now. Like basically, like we we dig ourselves a hole and we got to get we got to get going now. Otherwise, you know, this season's gonna be it's gonna be a lost year. Yeah, and I don't think he might wait till the deadline. If he's if he's I mean, if they're firing coaches and and evaluating things, I think you might see. Um, I think you might see him make a, a move or two here. I I haven't seen anything about it. But it kind of seems like if if Toronto wants to move on from Nylander and the Kings can give a Jake Muzzin up, that's and and picks. That's and, the kind of guy I think they would be interested in. I think Jake guy. Muzzin would. Yeah, absolutely. I think Jake Muzzin would be a good fit on on Toronto. Um, he drives Corsi. He led the league in Corsi uh, two out of three years not too long ago. So um, he's got a reasonable the, cap hit. Sure. I, th- I I mean, you, people are going to be getting in line if they do decide to move him here. Like you keep saying, December 1st is right around the corner now. Um, I think I, I would not be surprised at all if, if you do a, a Jake Muzzin, a, a good defensive prospect, and, you know, a first or a second going the other way. And, and they're, they need, they're trying to get speed in their forward core, and that's the kind of – you know, player that can bring speed and skill into that top six. Um, you might have to give up a Pearson, maybe Muzzin and Pearson going the other way. Uh, and who Pearson, who in a, in a right role could be a good player for Toronto as well. And I haven't seen this. I'm just spitballing here, throwing, no, throwing something on the wall. Muzzin would be a good fit for them from the kind of defenseman that they need. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to say he signed for three more years after this one. With a four million dollar cap hit, I mean, if you're right. going to get a good proven player, it's hard to see someone signed for the next 
in a few seasons at a lower number than that. So that really, you know, we talked about this. They need to find the right kind of talent and something that's not that's going to fit their cap given their situation. So you put those I two things together, him. Muzzin's a really good, that, that's him. Now, I think L.A. would have to put something else in the deal, uh, but yeah. I think you would be probably about two-thirds, three-quarters of the way home, and then, like I said, you could fill out. I mean, if, if you're you put, trading Nylander, they're going to need a forward back, so – yeah, you know, he's about three million, and then you have the salary cap space to uh, um, give Nylander meet in the middle at seven, seven years, seven million. Um, you know, he, they want to give him six; he wants eight. If you uh, free up enough cap space by giving Pearson, Muzzin, and and a pick or two, um, and you have enough money to go six years or six million, seven years, seven seven years, seven million. Uh, easy for me to say. Um, I think the framework right. of a deal is there, and I think it's the kind of hockey trade that um, both teams could benefit from. So if, if Rob Blake is still moving on um, and and ready to continue making deals to try and change the, the structure of the Los Angeles Kings, um, that's, a, that's a trade that I think could happen. Yeah, makes sense. All right, well, let me welcome in our guest for today in our featured segment, Chris Wassel. He writes for Dauber's Hockey, Osimo, uh, the Fantasy Doctor Sporting News. He's the host of Fantasy Hockey X and the program. We're going to be talking New Jersey Devils hockey with him. You can follow him on Twitter at Chris Wassel, W-A-S-S-E-L-D-F-S, Chris Wassel, D-F-S. Chris, thanks again for coming in talking a little hockey with us today. It's uh, good to talk to you again, sir. Good afternoon, guys. It's always good to come out of the cold, literally. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We were talking earlier in the show. I was asking Chris what it was like there in Long Island. He said it was low 40s. And I'm like, hey, I woke up here in Vegas, and it's 42 degrees with 10, 50-mile-an-hour wind. So we're all we're all kind of coming in out of the cold here today. Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, same thing here. It's about 40, 50 mile per hour wind gusts. I, 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 watched, I watched my little weighted fake pumpkin, like, roll across the lawn this morning. And I'm like, <laughs> hmm, I'll get to that tomorrow. It's not going anywhere. Yeah. It's just going to lean by the fence for for today. It's done. There you go. There you much go. Like, well, let's look like the devil. Let's, just let it Yeah, let's, let's jump into the devils leaning against the fit fence. They started out good, Kyle Palmieri. Um Started out on fire, kind of leading the team offensively uh, the first five, six games of the season. And now they've gone into a little bit of a slump, losing five of six. Um, the goalie has been unsettled. Uh, what's They started off well. What's been the cause of, of the slump lately, do you think? Hmm. How do I put this in the nicest of ways? This team does not have a clue to play how to play situational defense. Didn't last year. It kind of got away with it a lot, uh, often because of, well, first half, Corey Schneider, second half, Keith Kincaid. Um, but when you give up, the Devil, Devils have never given up more than 45 goals in a 14-game in a, in a stretch to start the, start the season in the last, pretty much in, in their existence, except for one other time in the 80s. But we don't count that, that error that much here. Um They've given up 49 goals in 14 games now. 49. That's not good. That 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 includes at least 
six six goals in what four of them? Yeah, and that's it's not going to get it done. And you you can blame the goaltending, and yeah, there's there's a right to it. But this is this is more players aren't playing the way they should. I mean, the Connor Brown goal last night is an example of this. There's two players near the hmm. near near Keith Kincaid that could easily have kept Connor Brown from scoring. And the puck manages to magically find some mysterious scene that I did not see and ends up in the net. That's Is that the goal from the blue line? Too many times. No, 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 no. Um, <laughs> the Connor Brown actually was pretty much a slam dunk because literally the two guys in front of Kincaid just missed the puck. Um, okay, right, right, right. I saw that. Yeah, the blue line special, I mean, as much as you want to blame whoever, Kincaid has to be paying attention somewhere in some planet. Um, yeah. He never saw you, that. You want, he never saw yeah, that He goal. never saw it. I don't, I don't know how you never see a puck that is coming from – but he he didn't. And you could clearly see in his body language that he did not see it. And again, you have you have a team right now, guys, plays for one goalie halfway – well, was playing for one goalie pretty well and wasn't for another. I've heard I've heard this before. I, I go back to 2014 or so, which Broder and Schneider and the same kind of kind of thing that was happening. Um, but now nothing's going right. You, you have one line that works. The top, the top line has been excellent all year. Although uh, even strength, maybe Taylor Hall hasn't scored the amount of points that he, that he, that he should. Uh, given his expected goals, um, but after that, it just it just gets to be an ugly jumbled mess. That I'm telling you guys, there is not an easy solution other than, hey Ray Shiro, get on the line with somebody, because Joel Quenville. I don't want to say Quenville. Nece- I don't want to say coach necessarily. Assistants, maybe they need assistant coaches. There, there is no way. There is no way to slice this. And I know fellow people in the media have gotten angry with me about this, but between Rich Kowalski and Alan Nazardine, I could come up with better assistant coaches. From I could take the the head coach from Binghamton right now, probably plug him in in New Jersey as an assistant, and he would do a better job than either one. John Stevens would be a that's, good fit too out of the guys that are available because he's he he's knows his defensive structure for sure. That would that would be a and good you fit. Need, well, you do you do need structure, and right now it's like they have it and they don't. The problem is when you make the amount of mistakes that the Devils have in games, it's not something that's readily correctable. Fourteen games into the season. It's going to take time, and they don't have time. Well, moving on to the goalies, um, who's going to emerge here as as the number one? Do you have a insight into that? What's your opinion? Is Kincaid going to continue to get the bulk of the playing time, or is is Schneider? um, I think he's only had two games back now. Is he going to work himself back into being the number one goalie for the New Jersey Devils? They're going to try and work Schneider in, but 
the the pattern from the first two games, at least that I've seen, and, and some of the ones even last year, Snyder had a very short leash. Whereas Kincaid played the whole game last night, and let's face it, after after that goal from the blue line, I thought he was getting yanked immediately, and he didn't. That that surprised me, and it surprised quite a few people as well. Uh, so when you look at it that way, it seems like right now it's Kincaid's job to lose at this moment with the premise that Schneider is going to see a few more starts than the average backup. After a month or two, it's anyone's guess what's going to happen. But right now, at least for the next month, that, that looks like the plan. Hey, Chris, it's Chris here. So just to piggyback on that, then you mm-hmm. throw into the mix that Kincaid, who's an uh, unrestricted free agent at the end of the year, how does that get – and Schneider signed for the next three years after this year at $6 million per, how does, that, how does that all equate into the mix? Well, I mean, simply, I mean, what you ha- what you have really is is this. And I I looked at this real quick. Kincaid's last five starts, he's had one he had one quality start against Pittsburgh, ironically. Which the the funny part is this: he faced thirty six shots against Pittsburgh. There were maybe two or three dangerous chances that entire game for Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh looked almost lifeless for most parts of that game. Every other game, Islander won where they got shut out three nothing. Kincaid has not looked like himself, uh, especially the last two starts. Um, you know, the, the the massacre in Tampa Bay. Even in relief against Ottawa, he looked he looked not so sure of himself with the puck. And then obviously last night, yeah, he made some good saves. But then he also makes some plays where you just sit there and go, this guy is just not a, he's just not a starting goalie in this league. And that's the frustration. If you're Ray Shiro, what, and what are you going to do at this point? Do you pay him like a, like a mid, say like a two year, three, three million, you know, AAV and go two years, two years, six million and try to bridge them. And you hope for the best. Um, Kincaid can be really good. But Kincaid can also be down. I mean, the switch can flip, guys. I mean, we saw it in the playoffs against Tampa Bay. He was Tampa Bay had him figured out 15 minutes before game one started. And it just spiraled from there. Um, I mean, you know, it's one of those things where between him and Snyder, you don't know how long it's going to take for Snyder to round into form. The the hip surgery that he had, guys, takes anywhere from one to four months to get back to the shape that you were in pre-surgery. Now, you add in that Snyder had been hurt for over 18 months before he had the surgery. I can't sugarcoat it. It's it's a tru- it's a troublesome decision that. If uh, I'm not, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to be Ray Shiro right now. Uh, well, uh, however, I'm, hoping, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I do think though that the biggest problem is the team defense as opposed to the goaltending. Though, I do. I do think that if you if you write the defense at least enough, you won't see as many of the breakdowns that you're seeing at crucial moments 
that you did say last night and over the last two weeks? Well, what I'm hoping here, Chris, is you have some honest good news about this question because if you don't, the devil fans who are listening to the show were already on the ledge. <laughs> I'm not sure. Will it be? I have a feeling is, I know what's coming. Um, Taylor Hall. Uh, it's been very quiet. I mean, nothing, no bad news stories. But as an as an Islander guy, and having seen John Tavares leave, um, obviously Taylor Hall had a tremendous year last year. Uh, uh, won the heart, and rightfully so. Um, where do we stand with him? Uh, he's a free agent at the end of the year. Uh, you know, clearly New Jersey wants wants to keep him in the worst way. Um, what say you about Taylor Hall? I mean, uh, and his future with the Devils. Okay the the one the one thing to clear up real fast. We actually can't. We actually he actually has another. He thankfully has another year left after this year. Oh, is that he's, right? He's a, 20, you were, you were... he's a twenty. He's a twenty. He's a twenty 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 twenty. He's a July first twenty twenty UFA. Oh, the, okay, the only the, the only reason why I know guys is because I already am. I'm not kidding. I'm already doing the twenty twenty UFA class previews. So, yeah, we do we do them that early because well, let's see, twenty nineteen is so bad that once once Stone and Panarin go somewhere else. There's really not much of a class, so we're already already on the 2020. But that being said, you want a winning product in front of you, if not this year, then next year. And you want, if you're Taylor Hall, you want to assure going forward that you're going to have some kind of chance of, well, advancing deep into the playoffs. Uh, this this start doesn't help any. He likes being here. He lo- he loves playing. On, on this side of the Hudson, it's very clear. But at at some point, this team's got to spend. I mean, the, the money's there. Not not like it isn't. You've got eighteen million in cap space. I understand that you know Taylor Hall is going to get his nine or ten million or whatever it's going to be, and his year is going to get, I'd say six seven million maybe more depending on. You know how the market sets up for him when he, when he hits, when he hits restricted status in yes, 2020-2021. You got to think that Marcus Johansson will be under contract by then. He's as good as gone. Um, Maybe they bring Brian Boyle back at a cheaper rate, uh, that sort of thing. And then after that, I mean, there's there's really not many obstacles in the way other than Will Will Butcher next year. And then obviously, like we had mentioned earlier. Uh, keep keep Kate. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's going to be a challenging situation for Ray Shearer. He he's got to spend at some point, and he's got to spend at some point soon. Well, I have one more question before I hand you off to Mark and have him finish up with you. And I, I wish this was more in a positive perspective, although he's still a very young guy. Uh, and even though I, I screamed at the time beforehand, Devil should have taken Provorov. But be that as it may. What is what is your opinion of Pavel Zaka? Obviously, six overall pick from 2015. That was a really talented class. Even at this early stage, we can go back and look at the players taken in that class, not just before him, but after him, even more so immediately after him. 
uh, it's been a struggle for him. And he's back in the AHL. I think he played a number of games this year. I don't believe he had a point. Uh, I know he's only 20-21. What, what is your opinion of Pablo Zaka? Zaka may have oh. the, the worst luck in the history of life as far as a hockey player. He can't catch a break. Um, I think this. I think this year in one game he hit, he hit two crossbars in the same period. Um, that that being said, though, the last few games in particular um, that he played up up with the big club were not like the others. For example, um, he had one shot on goal in last his last two games, uh, Tampa and Detroit. And I mean, even body language was shot at that point, and that's that's unfortunate. You don't you don't want to see your number one draft pick from any year, especially guys. Look, he's twenty one. He's going to be he's going to be twenty two in April. Um, having these kind of growing pains still as a center, and the sad part is last year. Even though he had the same amount of points pretty much as the year before, he had made strides defensively at least. And it was something that, hey, I could point to and look at and go, okay, we got, we, we, maybe we have something here. You know, maybe we have a guy that's a 40 to 45 point center um, that kind of is a poor man's Travis Ajax. Somewhat live with that. I mean, is, is that worthy of a top 10 draft pick? No. By the way, I would have traded down and taken Barzell at like nine or ten. Just trying. Thank God you weren't the GM. Yeah, that would have been the first thing I would have done. That was David Conti's last mistake with New Jersey, and I and I still I, I, look. Well, then Wierenski and Timo Meyer go right after. Provorov went to the Flyers at seven. Provorov went six. The Flyers. Yep. And then and Provorov went to seven. Wierenski, I think, was. In there, like eight maybe to Columbus, and Meyer was with the Sharks around yep. ten or eleven, and Ratnan was in there too. So those those was in there two too. players are just yeah. So they they were right after. There's the a lot out. of guys that really hit. And Fesner I mean, was in that. He was twenty two overall in there, and then yes, you had Kyle O'Connor, and you had uh, Konecki. I mean, there's a lot of yeah. You have, you have quite a, a bit here. I mean, this is fun to watch. But you have you have Provorov. Provorov went right after. Yep, Morensky right went right to Columbus. Meyer to San Jose at nine. Ran into Colorado at ten. The Devils ha- Devils could have had a deal at Florida to go down to eleven. It didn't take it. Why? I'll I'll never know. Um, but you know, it, we could have went because honestly. You know, the, I, I, I still laugh. Barzil was the was the crime of the century. He should have been a top ten player. It's kind of like the year that uh, Sakura went around twenty in the first round, and he was a top ten pick before he be separated his shoulder. And everybody was afraid. You know, it's like is the shoulder going to? He turned out okay. Uh, right. But that also was that also by the year. By the way, that was also right after Barzil. Kyle Connor and Thomas Shea yeah. 
I'm looking at that too. So, Anthony Beauvillier I mean, you, for the you, Islanders. You had, keep, you had to keep going down and just cringe. Travis Connect. Oh, that was a great. It was a great. Brock Besser for Vancouver, number 23. Uh, Samsonoff Larson with the Caps. Seven for Anaheim. I mean, Larson's coming yeah. into his own now. I mean, yeah, he'll he'll probably go back to San Diego at some point, but Anaheim has seen, has, has a lot to like with with with, with the youngster, and it, it's just an amazingly and deceptively deep first round. Hard to miss uh, in people. that first round. Well, um, Florida, uh, <laughs> Lawson Cross on – well, but to be fair, people kind of saw that one coming uh, with, with Kraus and then Boston. I, You know, Boston, we don't know yeah. about um, Zboril and Fenshin just yet. They're They're more long-term guys. But it's clear that DeBrusque has developed very well, and he's now on the yeah, first unit yeah. power play for Boston. So, yeah. I mean, in, in that sense, you know, you just look and you go, God, you know, we could have we could have had a number of these guys. I mean, Provorov would have been, or even Marinsky would have been nice on on defense. And I I still uh, I still wish we basically when we had relieved Con, you know Lou of his duties. We had just told Conte go find a. We'll pay you for months or whatever. Uh, go go find a, you know bar in Vegas to hang out at. Um, Looking company, sooner, but <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But that's that's the kind of thing. As for Zaka, though, again, not a total bust. He, he seems to be finding adjusting himself in Binghamton pretty well. Um, he he just has to be able to execute at the NHL level. And yeah. he hasn't not been able to do that consistent and well enough yet to warrant his, his you know, number of pick or even a first round pick at that. So you sit there and go, well, there is some hope, but that time is fading fast. Well, we already kind of touched on the coaching situation, and you're and you seem to be fine with John Hines, um, but maybe looking for a defensive specialist to come in and and help on the assistant part of things. Um, long, you know, for the season, how how do you see the Metro playing out? Um, do the Devils get back into the mix here? Um, where do you see the Metro heading this year? This is one wild ride, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, I don't know where it's going. I, no team has really separated itself yet. Thank God. <laughs> because, I mean, let, let's put it this way. All right. I, I looked at this last night. No team has 10 wins yet, thankfully. And that's usually, like, my, my at the 15-game mark, if nobody has 10 wins, okay, that's probably a good thing for your, for, for the division. Because if you look up, and say peak over at the Atlantic, you have Tampa with 12 wins already and Toronto with 11. Um, you look at the Central and in the West, you have two teams with 10 wins. Uh, the Pacific, it's just odd. Don't look at it. There's no way in God their Vancouver's going to stay in first place, so don't worry about that. Um, and if it does, well, then we're all going to be wrong and we're going to have to just admit it. Um, <laughs> but that's just how it works, but I mean, you look, the Islanders are going to come crashing back to earth as they haven't already. Whoa. It's unfortunate. I, they're going to have some stretches. Uh, I, will say, I will say this to Chris. 
Islander season as it stands right now reminds me a lot of the 2014-2015 Devils season. It is eerily similar. I mean, eerie. You have the goaltender that plays that plays way above his head. You have a team that can at times barely generate anything of a high-danger nature offensively. You have magical fourth-line scoring, like unicorns came down and just, you know, put the scoring fairy on them. And everything seems to reasonably break right. And that's kind of what's happened so far so far with the Islanders. And there's nothing wrong with that. that that's great. It's great for the Metro because, A, it provides balance, and it keeps teams like the Devils and Penguins, who are struggling mightily right now, in it. Um, by the way, for Pittsburgh, it's gotten so bad that they are now literally giving Matt Murray essentially like a one-week break to adjust the mechanics in his game because Casey DeSmith is starting again tonight uh, for the Penguins. It, it's just it's just been it's been that that kind of season. Um, thankfully, look, the Devils are only six points out of the division lead and have two games in hand on almost everybody in the division, except for, obviously, the Islanders. And, and I'm not worried about Pittsburgh yet. Um, we're, we're right there with them. It's kind of all that matters. Um, but like you said, and we mentioned earlier in, in, in the interview, it's getting late fast. I November is a brutal month. I mean, look. The second half of November for New Jersey may be worse than the first. It really might be. I mean, they play Winnipeg tomorrow night, and that's that's been a house of horrors for New Jersey since Winnipeg's come back. They're a house of horrors for everybody right now. Yeah, yeah, especially in Winnipeg. Yeah. God, Winnipeg, Winnipeg's scary. I mean, Winnipeg, Winnipeg over the last season and change, guys, is averaging 3.94 goals a game at home. Yeah. What is this, the 80s? I mean, <laughs> it, I, yeah, I, I joke about it, but the fact is that team can score at home. And this year they've been able to do it a little bit on the, on the road, obviously, as well. Not as well as last year, but enough. And, you know, it's, it's not going to – they play Philadelphia again, which they, they've had problems, you know, with. You know, kind of a mixed bag this year within the two meetings. Um, you know, and then after, you know, they played Pittsburgh too. That's not an easy week last I checked. No, no. The Knights have a week coming up. Uh, they got five games, has a bad five games in yep. seven days. And all five are against the division. And yep. three of them, I want to say Yes, two. The first two are in Canada. The third one is in Arizona. Then you're finally home for the back-to-back against two more division opponents in Calgary and San Jose. That's a seven-day stretch. Um, that is it doesn't get much worse than that. So I mean, that's for the nice two. Go ahead. They had one like that last year as well. And they were able to – that was actually one of the big, bigger stretches and one of the reasons why they held on to win, win the division last year was they were able to actually – I think they played six games in nine nights. And yeah. 
five yeah five of them were against the division two were two were two was a home and home against San Jose and they were able Correct. able to stay afloat just just long enough and for the uh, night's but, sake, uh, the first game is is in Edmonton, and that's Nate Schmidt's return. So hopefully that can solidify mm. the back end a little bit. And he always brings energy, and and he is definitely the big leader in the room on that team. So hope you know. I I I, I like you said, it's getting late fast. The, as the injuries that this night's team has, and with everything they've gone through, missing Nate and everything else, um, I don't think it's too early to say that that week is crucial to the Knights' playoff hopes. Oh, it absolutely is. I mean, you look you look across the league, and I said this to somebody, and they just got angrier and angrier at me. It's like, it's like, what do you hunt players down to injure? And it's like, no, 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 doesn't doesn't quite work like that. Um, today's a good example of this. 11.30 this morning, I talked to a couple of the beat writers from Washington. They mentioned, hey, John Carlson's looking pretty good in practice. It looks likely he'll play tomorrow. 20 minutes later, the same lower body injury that kept him out the last couple games, oh, he might have tweaked it a little bit again. He'll be a game time decision tomorrow. Huh. Span of, we're not even 45 minutes. So, yep. I, you know, I mean, look, and Vegas, you know, Vegas has been fortunate too. I mean, look, let's be honest. When you watch Eric Hall flip the way he did the uh, the other night, did you at least have the back, back thought in your head that, oh, God, his season might be over? I still think that. You're not they the did, only went, Yeah, when Stasny went down, and I was talking with Chris earlier, Stasny went down on the road. And he was crumbled, you know, like offensive lineman getting his legs rolled up under him. They did the same thing. They kept him with the team. They say, you know, we got to wait for the swelling to go down. We'll go back and reevaluate it. And I mean, nobody knows for sure, but the thought is that there was a a surgery, maybe a meniscus. And that was the two month timeline. So just, just because they say, Oh, he's going to stick with the team and uh, we'll reevaluate him back in Vegas. That, in my mind, that does not lessen what the the possibility of that injury could be. I, I, I said to Chris, if you could take a soccer player off on a stretcher, you're probably going to see him in the next five minutes. If you could, if you have to take a hockey player off the ice on a stretcher, I mean, usually with a knee or an ankle, you'll get a couple teammates. They'll get him on one leg and they'll skate him over to the bench. Um, stretcher. stretcher on the ice is not good. Um, so I, I'm not ready yet to think that that season still may not be over. Ho- hopefully, for the Golden Knights' sake, it isn't. Yeah, it's, so it's real one quick, of those. Go ahead. Where, where, mm-hmm. go ahead, Chris. Oh, I'm sorry, Chris. Go ahead. No, you, Chris. <laughs> yeah, Long Island, Chris. Uh, I was just going to say. So, Chris, it sounds like you think that the Metro is a pure. Uh, it's a pure jumble uh, at, at this point. No one really. Is sticking out to you, given each team's different issues. Yeah. A- absolutely, there there is nobody sticking out right now at, at all. Uh, there's teams sticking out for the unexpectedly wrong reasons. I mean, we thought five games ago we thought Pittsburgh was going to kind of start to run away with this, and now, well, no, they're down. The, they're all the way down the seventh now. 
Yeah. Um, you know, Columbus has won three of four. So they're magic. They're magically in first place because of it. Um, you know, the Islanders have very up six, and down. Two and, six, two and one in our last nine that kept them at least up, you know, near the top of the division. Washington is in the mist hangover, although Alexander Ovechkin already is in double digits and gold. So he seems to be just fine. Um, just seems to be everybody, almost everybody else around him. Uh, that's having a little bit of a problem. I mean, you go up and down the division. Philadelphia can't stop anybody. They keep giving up goals, although you wouldn't know that this afternoon. Um, but for the most part, they've had problems with defense and, and special teams. You know, and then there's Carolina, who, again, 600 to billion shots on goal, only 44 <laughs> goals. Uh, the song remains the same. Yep. You know, the Rangers – you know, dagger dagger of a loss last night after winning four straight. And it looked like they had momentum. They were up 2 nothing in the third, and then the bottom fell out. You know, they didn't even get to a shootout. Larkin scores with a little less than eight seconds left in overtime. And that's a killer. That, that, that's a loss that may linger with them a little bit. And they're, they're teetering right around 500 as well. Then you have, you know, like we said, then you have Pittsburgh's problem. They're trying to get their gold goaltending straightened out. I actually think it's not just their goaltending. I think it's the fact that they signed Jack Johnson. Um, he's not very good. Defense hasn't been good for a couple of years, and teams do watch video. They they catch up to these things and know which players to go up and exploit against. Um, I I think people have caught up to Mike Sullivan's system and Mike Sullivan's kind of panicking a little bit and rightfully so. He's, he's got, he's got a tinker with it. And the same can be said with John Hines, the way, the way John Hines wants New Jersey to play teams have, have, have caught up on this and they, they've adjusted and they figured, well, we can attack New Jersey's bottom pairings and in particular their third, their, their fourth line a little bit and sometimes their second line because they're they're a little more speed focused instead of maybe a little bit more I would say not stronger on the puck. Yeah. And that is that has not served them very well because it's funny. You you look at how the Devils have fared against teams in the West and they've fared pretty well because the teams that they played in the West for the most part aside from Nashville aren't necessarily that combination of power and skating at the same time. Usually it's one or the other. And New Jersey can handle that pretty well. Um, again, it's getting late fast. And the schedule only gets tough and tougher from here. And the Devils are going to, and like other teams, they're going to have to find, find, find their way in quick. It, it's weird because Devils, Devils are in a good position because of the division they're in. I mean, it, it sounds weird to say, but they are. Um, you know, playoffs, God forbid, started today. Ugh, you don't want to say that one either. Thankfully, you know, the Devils would have to finish in third in the division just to make the playoffs because, well, the Atlantic is a little bit better. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the, Met, the Metro is kind of bringing up the rear a little bit because of, because of the balance. And also because, for example – some teams just haven't played that many games. I mean, look, Florida's only played 12 games in the Atlantic, for example. 
Everyone else in that division played 15. So there's 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 that dynamic again too. The good old games in hand are going to come going to come uh, flying out. And uh, don't worry. Like I said, New Jersey is less than halfway through its 15 game and 29 day November. Well, that's going to be a tough road to hoe for them. Um, we're going to have yeah. to let you go, Chris. We're running out of time here. Thank you once again Absolutely. for coming on and talking some pucks with us this morning, sir. Absolutely. Always, guys. So make sure you follow Chris, Thanks, Chris. On, on Twitter at Chris Wassel DFS. That's W-A-S-S-E-L-D-F-S. Uh, writes for Dauber Hockey, Osimo. Uh, Fancy Doctors, his work's been in the Sporting News, Hockey Clan Sportsology, which we're good friends with over here at the Vegas Hockey Podcast as well. Um, so make sure you go check out Chris for all his New Jersey, New Jersey content, and we'll talk to you again down the road, sir. Sounds very good, guys. Have a good one. Thanks, all right, Chris. all right. All right, that'll do it for right. Chris and our New Jersey Devil Talk. Well, we're going to do a little something different in the OT today. Chris uh, had a I don't want to call it a come to Jesus moment, but he he really wants to give us a, a review on something that he he took in this week, and I'm looking forward to doing it myself. So uh, we're going to throw this over to Chris. And what was the highlight of your week, sir? Besides uh, I, I some saw, of the Islanders games, I saw I saw Bohemian Rhapsody, and let me uh, let me preface a couple things. One, kind of looking forward to seeing this film uh, for a variety of well. reasons. I'm I'm not a Queen. I mean, I like Queen's music. But I'm not a Queen fan, okay? I mean, I can, uh, I've can. i never bought a Queen album, although I you know, probably know about Shame on you. songs that they've done. I know, it's just strange. Just one of those bands that, for whatever reason, but I mean, I knew them. I liked a lot of their songs kind of thing. So this is not coming from a Queen diehard, which I think gives even more credence to my review. And, and looking forward to seeing this movie, uh, I was curious, uh, the critics really, at least over here, uh, really panned it. I read some of the reviews. I won't get into really? what they said. But, yeah, and I actually after seeing the film, I kind of disagree with some of the things that they were saying. Um, but uh, long story short, if you're a Queen fan, you will automatically love this movie. But even if you're just a fan of music, the history of rock and roll, uh, you will love this movie because Queen has a very, they're a very unique band. They have a unique story. They have a unique sound. They, they're they a band where they have all these big songs, and a lot of them are they're very, very different from each other. When you go back and look at whatever bands you want to think of, you're like, all right, there's some kind of commonality in a, a lot of their songs, if you will, some kind of uh, uh, you know sound, if you will. Queen is a very unique from a sound standpoint. They, they really ran the gamut of do, doing different things, which... Uh, which you know, which makes it uh, I think very interesting. But they had a, a it's a unique story. It was it's a biopic, but it was very well told. R- Rami Malek, the guy from uh, the Mr. Robot, who was yep. phenomenal on that show. I only saw the first season, but he was phenomenal. Uh, I watched it like over 24 hours during a snowstorm. But he was a phenomenal act, young actor. He is off the charts as Freddie Mercury. And, uh, you know, the, the movie's more about than just Freddie Mercury. It's really the story of the band, but his performance is through the roof. And uh, I highly recommend seeing this movie. Uh, uh, I learned a number of different things. Uh, I learned a lot of interesting facts about uh, 
the band and music and things of that nature. And I thought it was really well done. Uh, uh, you know, I remember, I'll leave you with this, and this is not giving anything away from the movie. Uh, being, you know, 15 years old and want, being watching all of Live Aid uh, that day, and clearly the the act that was head and shoulders and then some above everyone else that day, and this is from a guy who's a big U2 fan who played that day, was Queen. It was it was it was ridiculously obvious that you know on on the day where you had both in Philadelphia and in London all these unbelievable bands. Um, Queen, there was Queen and there was everybody else. I mean, obviously, there was a greater purpose that day for what that day was about. But, um, yeah, I, I can't say enough good things about the movie. I think you really enjoy it. If you're not into Queen and you're not into, uh, you know, the history of rock and roll, history of music, then this probably the movie's not for you. But if you're a fool into either one of those buckets, uh, I think you'll, you'll really, really enjoy this movie. No, I agree. I think the first time I saw the trailer was uh, the Infinity War, and and then, uh, my, my daughter is a Queen's fan, a uh, Queen fan, oddly enough, and she's like, "We have to see that. We have to see that." And we've been we've been trying to get get our act together and get down to the theater. But uh, oddly enough, tonight uh, we're going to see a, a Queen tribute band, one of the I, I guess one of the better tribute bands to come through Vegas. They had really good reviews and and looking them up they play all you know the bohemian rhapsody another one rides the bus we will rock you bicycle fat bottom you know they do all the hits and when you go down the list of queen um some of their songs have become iconic of of our culture sir only rock and roll band heard this the other day which is hard to believe but shows you also how talented everyone in the band was only rock and roll band where each member of the band, that was a four piece obviously, wrote a number one hit. I mean, that's, yeah, you there you go. Happen, that doesn't happen you know? often. <laughs> no. So it shows you how, you know, and like I said, they they were they was so unique. Like one you know, one one album they do doing Bohemian Rhapsody, which by its by its own mark is just such an unusual song and then, you know, the the next they're they're, uh, you know, they're doing uh, Radio Gaga or they're doing, you know, they're doing so many different things, so many unique sounds, yeah. but it's still Queen, you know? Right. Absolutely. Um, I agree with you. But You're more of, of a fan a than you let A lot of palettes on the paintbrush. That's that's what I would say about them. But and, all the same um, painting. Yeah, but it's very, like you said, they, they just had a lot of uniqueness to them, you know? I mean, uh, and they didn't care as long as it was music and it was something good. And they were always looking to do something different and not follow just the formula kind of thing. So, which they talk about a little bit of the movie. But I mean, uh, uh, but yeah, I think you'll really love it when you get to see it. Hopefully, you'll see it before next week's show, and uh, you know we could talk about it a little bit. But I, it was although we want to uh, do any spoiler alerts kind of thing. But like I said, it, it was. Uh, and Rami Malek is some actor. He was. He looks fantastic. He was, ridic- he was ridiculous, and he, you know, Freddie Mercury was a complex guy, and he was figuring out a lot of things for himself, and didn't right. have, you know, the easiest life to start out for a lot of different reasons, which the movie gets into. And he did, you know, like I said, it, it, it's a really enjoy it. It's it's not a master like I saw a Star Is Born 
which is really not really a movie that is a kind of story that would be per se a love story, if you will, would be like that's the kind of movie I'm going to gravitate to. That movie was, in terms of from an art standpoint, uh, scale one to ten of fifteen. But All this right. movie was, yeah, this movie was was tremendous. It was a lot of fun. Uh, obviously, it's a sad, you know, I don't think it would be any way here, sad ending or to his life, but which they go into, and it, it was an incredible movie. It really was. All right. But if you well, haven't I, seen I, Star is Born, check that out as well. That, Although, get ready to cry in that movie. I'm just warning you but right now. Yeah. You know, all all right, buddy. I got I to gotta run. All um, right. I, I, I am going to go check that Queen Band out tonight, and hopefully during the week I'll be able to get to uh, – get to this movie because it's one I've been looking forward to. Uh, what's on tap for us next week, sir? Next week we got Lyle Richardson coming back, Miss, uh, Mr. Right, Spectre's right. Hockey, and we're going to have, we'll try to do a 30-minute segment and hit him up. Not just trade rumors, but we'll talk Seattle expansion, we'll talk CBA, we'll talk Joe Quinn, you know, like who's going to be the Seattle coach. All different. It'll be Seattle a big around the league. Show. A big yeah, around it'll the be league, a big so. around the league because there's a lot going on around the league. So, yes, uh, but definitely a lot of trade rumors because there's a lot to uh, discuss between things and uh, situations percolating in not just Toronto and Ottawa and Columbus. There's a lot of there's a lot of L.A. Chicago. There's a lot of things going on out there. Ten four, ten four. Well, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that. So it'll be next week, Saturday, same bat time, 11 a.m. Pacific, 1 a.m. 2, p, 2 p.m. Yeah. Eastern time. Um, make sure you go over to Russ Cohen's Sound, SoundCloud page, Sportology. Uh, he carries our show. And the, obviously, you can find us on Blog Talk Radio, SoundCloud, and anywhere pods are caught. So that's going to do it for this week. I'll leave Chris with a little bit of love here for Chris on Mark. And we're gone. There we go.